Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, Episode 70, August 5th, 2023. So glad you could make it. I do get the chance to open up this week with a handyman update. I need some theme music for it. Maybe coming soon. I got a new used washer, washing machine. I don't know, maybe a month ago. Um, The one that I had was probably maybe six, seven years old. And the agitator got locked up and... You know, I, I and, and the guy when he came to fit that, that was the story. I forgot about this part. Like, so I, I called my guy. He said, here's people who can come and fix it. OK, well, it's ninety dollars or whatever just to come out. The guy comes out, talks to me all about his kids and all this kind of stuff. Can't get the agitator loose. By the time we do all the things, it's probably worth getting. Yeah. So I'm out 90 bucks. So I call my guy. He's like, all right, well, I got a used one. I got a nice used one. Uh, give it to you for for a good price. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's perfect. Delivered it. Took my old one out. The, the used one was like I said, it it did a good thing. It actually had like a, a little compartment up at the top where you put the soap in and that made me glad you had to pour it in kind of slow. Um, it's a little things for me y'all, but, um, it did make an awful racket. Like when it did the spin cycle, it would shake and it didn't have the little lid bumper or whatever. So it made an awful racket, but whatever whatever. I was washing my clothes, did it pretty fast. But a couple days ago, it filled all the way up, had a load in, filled all the way up and stopped. Wouldn't, wouldn't do the spin cycle. So, um, I'll let my guy know. He's like, okay, uh, I'll get you a new one, give you the price minus the, the money that you spent on the used one already. So taking care of me because it's nine six. And Um, but now what I have to do is I have to get all the clothes out. Um, and, uh, so I have to wring all the the clothes out uh, as best I can. And then I I toss them over into the shower, washing machine and dryer. Uh, we built a new bathroom on. And so our laundry is back in our new bathroom. So I was tossing the shower and uh, then the tub's full. So I've got to the wash tub. So I've got to get a pitcher. Well, it took me a while. Like, all right, how am I going to do this? But I realized that the pitcher that I used, this blue pitcher that I used to water my hanging plants outside. Um, and then I got the bucket of life. I emptied out the bucket of life. It was time to refresh the waters anyway. We're in the season of transition. So we need some fresh, clean water with a with a full bowl full of rocks and pebbles and shells and all kinds of stuff to drop into to create the ripples because that's the bucket of life. If you don't know, if you're tuning in just for the first time, the bucket of life is a, a thing that we keep on our front porch. We drop a pebble in as we go out to remember, to remind us that the ripples that we cause through our words, through our actions, through our thoughts, through our life, um, has an impact. It impacts other people, um, even when we're not aware of it. So I emptied out the bucket of life, the rocks in the driveway, you know, so that they can get dried out. And I bring it in and I take the picture scoop out the water and then pour it into this five gallon bucket of life 
I don't know, six, seven scoops of the pitcher. And then I dump that water into the shower and repeat. I don't know, five bucketfuls. I wasn't filling it all the way to the top because that would be super heavy, but you know, three quarters. Um, and it was a really amazing process for me. Um, my dad has always told me, you know, things like don't force it. Things like, well, that's just the way the old ball bounces. Um, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. The ways to, to take care of these types of situations and not get super worked up. And so I was, it was very zen full for me and um, scooping and concentrating on each scoop, doing what needed to be done. It, it was okay. And by, by this time, my guy was going to bring, you know, the new one was going to be delivered the very next day. So I'm not going to be super inconvenienced at all. I don't know, about 30 minutes later or something like that. Uh, I put in just a couple of clothes just because I wanted to see like, okay, so, so this old one, the, the old used one, it would, you, you pulled the knob back to make it start. So I pulled it back and the water started running. So I'm like, oh man, maybe it was just like too much clothes in there. Something was hung up. And so, all right, well, let me, let me run another cycle just to make sure. And it filled back up and that was it. And so, um, my dumb self is here now getting Zen again, because I'm going to have to do the whole scoop bucket process once again. So that was that, but we got the fresh new, uh, washer in with a huge tub. It doesn't have the little compartment at the top to pour the soap in. You just put the soap straight down into the bottom of the tub. But, uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, and, and, I don't know what the handyman part about that was. I guess me scooping out the water. I didn't actually fix anything. But my toilet, I think I talked about that. It's made this hissing sound for a little while now. I've looked it up. I've YouTubed it. I've, I've pondered it. You know, how am I going to go about this? You know, I've talked to my father-in-law because he knows about plumbing things. And I've, I, I'd, I'd come to the conclusion that it was the fill valve. And that seemed easy enough for me to fix. Um, and so I was, I was going to do it. Like I was going to do it the afternoon after my washer got fixed. And t turns out though, like the, 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 the cold water valve that hooks to my washer, like the, mm, the, the threads are stripped on the valve, like on the, on the handle. And so in order to turn it off and on, you have to turn the water off outside, you know, at the main turn off. So the guys that delivered the washing machine, they, they turned it off for me so they could hook it up. And when they turned it back on, the hissing in the toilet stopped. Like it's, and it hasn't come back yet. Now, I don't know. My granddaddy Herman, Herman Thomas, um, had always told me the story that he had been drafted to go to World War II and that he was on the boat when... Um, the E day happened when the victory in Europe occurred. And what he always told me is that, you know, uh, the Germans knew they heard old Hermie was coming for him. And so they gave up. I don't, I don't want to be too hyperbolic here. I really think that the toilet knew that the DT handyman was coming for it and it knew it better just go ahead and stop hissing. So I, I, I think that's, I think that's really what happened, but either way, I'm going to go ahead and chalk it up 
uh, as a as a credit to my handyman skills that the toilet is no longer doing that thing. Um, yesterday and, and some random stuff this week, as as usual. I don't even need to say that, I guess. But uh, we, I know I've talked about it. I'm going to continue to talk about it. But man, the grilled cool wrap, Chick Fil A, so good. I don't even get the fries anymore. That avocado lime sauce is like 300 calories. I mean, it is. And so just the grilled chicken cool wrap and the avocado lime sauce together is about 600 and something calories, um, which is, which is fine. But I am trying to stay in shape, at least hold the line so far. Um, trying to get, anyway, we've talked about my 10 pounds, but hold so far I'm staying steady. Um, we went over to, uh, Gardner Webb has a Chick-fil-A. So I was going to go to it because I wasn't going to drive to Shelby. And I was like, okay, well, Sydney had just gotten home from tennis and uh, Isaac was awake. Sam was still asleep because that's how he does. He's a hibernating bear until about noon or one. So we go over at about 11.15 to the Garden Web Chick-fil-A. We walk into Tucker Center, proceed to walk down the stairs where there is a Starbucks down there. And this is the student center for those of y'all who don't know about Garden Web. And... Um, but Isaac is telling us all the time that nope, Chick-fil-A is on this level. We don't need to go down. And, but we went down anyway, we shouldn't known because he should be the authority on chicken tendies, but, um, we get there and Chick-fil-A isn't open yet. It doesn't open until 1130 and it's 1112. That's what time it is. when we get there because I remember saying, because the kids were like, well, let's just drive to Shelby. I'm like, it's only 18 minutes. Let's just sit here. We're in the Tucker Center. Now, there was some stuff going on or whatever. So I'm like, all right. Now, I don't know which is crazier, the fact that they didn't want to wait 18 minutes, that they wanted to just drive to Shelby to get out of the situation that we're in in the Tucker Center, or that I was willing to do it. But whatever, you know. So I ordered on the app because that's a thing that I do now. I order on the app. This was the second time that I had done it. And when you order on the app, it's pretty cool. You just drive up, and and then it knows when you get there. I'm, uh, yeah, third life, baby. Um, I sometimes joke that that maybe I'm becoming a middle aged woman, and and this is just one um, example here. Ordering on the Chick Fil A app, but we did order on the app. Drove to Shelby, got our food. Definitely would have gotten it sooner, although they argue that because Chick-fil-A had just opened at 1130, it would have taken them a while to get their stuff together. But we had a great time. Um, me and Sam, I'm sorry, me and Sydney and Isaac uh, on our Chick-fil-A adventure. Later or at some point during the week as well, I got my first pumpkin spice latte. And I realized that as best I can tell, it's not a pumpkin spiced latte that it's, there's no D on the spice. So I'm going to go with it. Um, I'm a PSL guy now. And yes, Hannah's Coffee Shop opened up uh, August with their fall menu. And that's great. I'm glad because I look forward to it. I look forward to fall. And I was just going to get a coffee, but I went for it. I wasn't sure, but it was good. It was really good. And I wasn't sure if it would have like enough caffeine or as much caffeine as a regular coffee, but I think it probably has more because they put two shots of espresso in there and I'm going to probably go get me another one today. So yeah, ordering on the app, pumpkin spice latte, and now I'm a Wordle guy. So my transition again into being 
a I'm not a Karen. That doesn't make me that, does it? Okay, um, but I'm pretty good at Wordle. I got it in three today, I believe, maybe four. Um, but I do play hard mode, and because that's the only way, in my opinion. But yeah, so there's all that. Today is what August fifth, and so we are in the days between. Um, I do talk about fish quite a bit, of course, but I mean, none of this music is probably. I don't know about possible, whatever. I don't mean to say that, but Jerry, man, Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia's birthday is August 1st, um, and he died on August 9th. And so dead, uh, Deadheads and like SiriusXM, Grateful Dead channel, has been broadcasting what they call The Days Between, a fantastic, hauntingly beautiful song that Jerry sings, that Jerry wrote in his later uh, stages of his career in the, in the nineties. Um, but the days between the days between his birth and the days between his death. And so they don't play as much grateful dead. They play Jerry solo stuff, you know, and they play Jerry Garcia band, which is just, man, sometimes I don't know if I'd rather see Jerry Garcia band over the grateful dead. Like if I had my choice, which one would I rather go to? And cause it's just phenomenal, phenomenal music. But, but of course he played bluegrass with, uh, you know, Grisman Garcia and with Olden in the way, um, you know, I'm a member of the Earl Scruggs Center uh, board and Earl Scruggs was a huge influence on Jerry where, where he began to learn to play the banjo. Um, but just so much, so much talent and so many contributions to the world of really good music. Um, the days between. I was sad to see this week that um, AP Psychology has been banned in Florida because Florida won't allow teachers. There's a new state law that won't allow teachers to to teach things about um, sexuality and gender. Because if we don't teach the high school kids about those things, they won't know about them, I guess because they don't have access to information more than any, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what, what the game plan in is here, but I'm pretty much tired of this nonsense. This, this MAGA nonsense. I really am. And I, I try not to say that much, um, here, but AP won't cave, you know? Uh, and so the, the, the to get college credit, to study psychology, of course you've got to study sexuality and gender, you know? And, and I don't know what indoctrination that these right-wing kooks think is happening, but if you really think about it, giving, presenting ideas to people to think about that are different than the ones that they already think about, that isn't indoctrination. That's education, right? I mean, like, Opening up your mind to other ideas is the whole point of education. Indoctrination would be saying, this is the only way that you can do things. You do them this way, right? I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's just a, we're in bizarro world. I mean, we really are. Things are just, things are just upside down. Um, speaking of that kind of stuff, I got asked to do a book talk at Gardner Webb in November. Um, and it's, they've been focusing on banned books. And so I'm, uh, I've got to pick, 
pick which one. They said I didn't have to do a band book, um, but I really wanted them to give me a list of things to choose from because I've like my library is my favorite, one of my favorite possessions that I have, you know, and uh, the bookshelves that I have. And I, I love reading, currently reading Rumi. I'll get back to that in a bit. I ordered a Ram Dass uh, book, Be Here Now, that I look forward to getting into. I'm reading an, an old history of Boiling Springs, which is probably going to feature in next week's um, podcast. You know, I've got the history of Gardner Webb that's that's on deck. Um, so, um, yeah, sorry if you hear the, the buzzing. My neighbor is, of course, mowing his grass because it's a day. Um, but yeah, I got to pick which one. The Bluest Eye by, by Toni Morrison is one that was mentioned. Uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, I've never even seen that movie either. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to, to doing that. Rumi. Wow. I, I got the Essential Rumi uh, translation by Coleman Barks, which he's the guy, you know, Coleman Barks is the guy that translates Rumi. And I'd seen like, this is just how I am. Like I'd seen all these Rumi quotes. And a lot of people will talk about Rumi quotes and it's all on Instagram. And when it, when it gets popular, when stuff gets popular like that, then I'm just stubborn. I'm stubborn and I don't want to deal with it. It takes me years and years to get into stuff like pumpkin spice lattes. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I don't want to go with the flow or at least, at least right away. You know, I want to stand back and watch the flow some and then jump into it. But so I don't want to just look at quotes. I don't want to just you know, Google up Goodreads and see what the main quotes of Rumi are. I want to read the whole thing and I got it. And it's, nobody uses words like, like him. Uh, Walt Whitman is the closest that I can, that I can think of, but I'm, I'm really trying to just read through it and not dwell on any particular poem of his because, um, um, I just want to get the whole sense of things, you know, I just want to get the whole sense of what he is about. Like, let it, let it marinate. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, he says, he, he says today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down the dulcimer. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. And so I've been been thinking about that. Let the beauty we love be what we do, not be uh, defined or boxed into what society says that we should do or that we have to do. But but let the beauty we love be what we do. And and as I begin to think about that, like I I, I get to do that. I, I've thought about what I want to do after teaching. It's still another decade. I've got a decade left. Um. But I've done it for two decades. Like I'm, I'm in the the final third here, and anything that I've learned as getting older and the relativity of time, it's it does go by faster. Um, perceptions a real thing, and I've thought about like you know our town manager is leaving, and so I, I enjoy doing the work of the town, and so I thought you know what, Garden Webb has a master's in in public administration now. Maybe I could, maybe I could jump into that. Um, or another thing that Rumi says is let your boundaries be your quest. And certainly my boundaries, as we, as you know, from the uh, bracket of darkness, you know, is, is, you know, facing death and mortality and, and the fears that I have of, of sickness and all that kind of stuff. Like maybe I, I should venture into that and let my boundaries be my quest. Maybe I should follow in my mom's footsteps and, 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 
and work at hospice, like get a, a, a degree in, in psychology or counseling or um, something like that. And maybe, but, but what I love, the beauty that I love is the liberal arts. It's the humanities. It is teaching. It is considering things like um, pastoral leadership, you know, like, I do believe in studying history and philosophy and theology and, you know, literature and reading these types of things that open up my eyes to something else. Liberal arts, you know, we use these words and they become meaningless and meaningless because of the meme culture that we have, but it's liberating. It's, it's freeing to be able to see the perspective of someone else. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't know what it's like to be a black man. I don't know what it's like to live in India. You know, I, I don't know what that's like, but when I read these types of things, like when I read the covenant of water and get these glimpses into what it must be like, what it, what it is kind of like to live in India, that, that opens me up. That frees me, you know, the humanities, um, been wandering through graveyards lately and I saw one of my old, uh, uh, he was my new Testament professor at Gardner Webb and his name was Dr. Jack Partain. And he kind of changed my life because one time sitting in there in this pretty straight up, up and down Baptist college, you know, he says, you know, what if, what if fully human is fully divine? And I've been pondering that statement ever since. Like, what does it mean to be fully human? How do we reach our potential? What does that look like and how do we get there? That's what I love. So that's what I'm, I think that's what I'm after. But yeah. So we'll jump into the bracket of darkness here. We are in the Elite Eight, the the quarterfinals. Um, and this, this is where it gets tough. At, at first I had thought about trying to just go ahead and finish out this whole thing, but, uh, yeah, I can, I'm not ready to discuss these final four. And I'm not really sure I'm ready to discuss some of the ones where that, that don't even make it to the final four. Um, I have my counseling session on Monday and so I'm hopeful that I'll be able to bring these things up with, with my person and really begin to delve into what these fears, what this darkness is, how it has a hold on me in some ways. Um, I, I can talk about one f- is foodborne illnesses. And my, my dad has always smelled the milk, but he lived on army bases. And when he was in Texas, like the army at the army base, sometimes the milk would be left out in the, in the sun. And so of course you're going to smell the milk. And that became a habit and I still do that. But like, you know, sometimes I'll open up the yogurt and, or I'll forget, like, did I open up the yogurt and it seems like it's open or whatever container it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just super and, and, and stupidly paranoid about that kind of stuff. You know, like I understand the the irrationality of a lot of these things, but I don't want to get some type of, Hmm. You know, whatever frozen strawberries or something had the the liver. What is that liver disease that you get? Um, 
man, what is that? Like, you know, they had a recall on the frozen strawberries and stuff. And so I've got some in the, in the freezer that weren't implicated in the recall. I had eaten some of them before. Um, but I'm not really anxious to eat them anymore. <laughs> and that's wild. But anyway, so I've got to, I got to figure some of that kind of stuff out. I know that anyway, anyway, um, what else can we go to here? Uh, one of them is like my, well, they all begin to get really real for me from here on. I do have life 360. I do like to know where my kids are. I don't typically get on there and watch them drive the little car, you know, uh, now it's got little feet that, that goes um, when they're walking. But I like to know where they are. I like to know if they've left somewhere. We don't have to get into the, you know, hey, I, hey, mom, dad, I got here, anything like that. Like, I know that they got there. Um, and, and that's great. I, I, I like that. I don't, like I said, I don't just sit and watch it. I'm not overly anxious about them in some type of accident because they're really, really conscientious drivers. They have really good cars. Um, but it's a, it's a thing, you know, that'll pop up once in a while. Um, but life through 60 actually helps me with that. Um, and so that one doesn't, that one doesn't advance. Um, my, my own, this is to the point where I I don't know how to pick. These are pretty much equal. And so the one I'm going to say that doesn't, um, that doesn't advance here is, uh, like the, the perceived anguish that my kids might have, you know, like I I don't want them to feel fear. I don't want them to feel anxiety or worry, you know, any of those types of things. I don't, I don't want to imagine their suffering. And I do that. I do that. I'm really good at it. Um, I'm really good at projecting those types of things. Um, But, but one of the, the motions that I've been working on in my own, sensory motor therapy is, is putting one hand on my gut and another hand out to remind myself that they're, they're their own people. You know, they've got to live their own lives. And, and for me to try to keep fear and pain and things like that away from them is a disservice to them. They need those things to be able to learn, to be able to live, to be able to grow. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then the other one that, that doesn't advance that, that, uh, from the elite eight that will take us to the final four is like, you know, my own f- fear of, of disease, my own fear of, do I have, have cancer? Do I have, you know how it is. I mean, everybody jokes about it now. Like if you Google symptoms, it always pops up like the worst possible thing. So I don't do that anymore. Um, I try just to not even think about it. And that's probably not the best strategy either, but like trying to, to push it away out of my thoughts, you know, things like that. So I don't know. I'm going to really work hard on bringing you the final four and the, and all that kind of stuff next week. Maybe after I've had my, my session, I'll be able to do that. But the bracket of darkness down to the semifinals. But I did want to read a, uh, one of these from Rumi and this one's called love dogs. And it says one night a man was crying, Allah, Allah, his lips grew sweet with the praising until a cynic said, so I have heard you calling out 
but have you ever gotten any response? The man had no answer to that. He quit praying and fell into a confused sleep. He dreamed he saw Keter, the guide of souls, in a thick green foliage. Why did you stop praising? Because I've never heard anything back. This longing you express is the return message. The grief you cry out from draws you toward union. Your pure sadness that wants help is the secret cup. Listen to the moan of a dog for its master. That whining is the connection. There are love dogs no one knows the name of. Give your life to be one of them. And I love that. I think that's really fantastic. And that goes back to what I'm talking about with how I, I you know, this pain, this howling, this, this, this lamentation, you know, the, the crying out to God and the universe and what the heck is all that. Like, there's a connection that happens there. That is the mystery. Um, you know, uh, fish, you, you ever heard me talk about them? They have this song called Plasma. And it says, no matter how you slice your day or dream of places far away or try to set your world apart, you always end up where you start. And that's the thing. Like, I'm going to, you know, here's the thing. I've got the Final Four coming up next week. I don't know how I'm going to pick. Um, I'm probably just going to talk about them in general, you know, if I'm able to talk about them at all. But I know the winner already. I know the winner. I know what defeats all of those things, and it's it's nothing new. It's just like the plasma lyrics. No matter how far away I try to go, I always end up where I start. I've got this concept tattooed on my arm. You know, I I, I don't. Um, it, it's it's about surrender. That's the answer. That's the champion. And so, like you know, it's it's submission. It's surrender. It's it's planting a sequoia tree, even though you know you're never going to see the fruit. It's setting sail for the new world and burning down the mast. It's surrendering to the flow. I know these things. But I, I have this desire to, to be in control. And, and I've even been thinking about the word sin, you know. And I, I wonder if I couldn't, come up with a, a line, a theory, a way of explaining sin as the things that keep us from surrender. Like when we get these notions that we are in control, when we get these notions that we, we have to push certain parts of us away because of grief, because of shame, you know, because of anger, whatever. Like when we begin to divide ourselves and we divide ourselves from each other, but I mean, even internally, it, it it takes away from, at least it takes away from my ability to fully surrender, to put my hands up and know that I am not in full control. It, it just crazy things. I, I don't know that I'm, it, it's hard to say things sometimes because you don't know how other people are going to respond. That's part of my issue too. Honestly, that one's in the final four. There you go. And, and, you know, we've, we've been picking out, we've been surveying this area in, in the local cemetery that will, that will serve likely as my dad's final resting place. 
And that's a heavy thing. That's a heavy and heady thing. And and I have this need to control who goes there when they go there. I want I wanted it a certain way. It didn't work out that way. And when I found out it didn't work out that way, um, I was broken. <laughs> and I, I don't know how to explain it, but like my the sky last night was like these crazy dark clouds with deep pinkish and and there was some bright pink and some blue here and some white there like it was it was just a testament to what all is going on inside of me all of those different types of things my need to be in control my need to defeat mortality my need to control your perception of me yeah my need to protect you from the grief and the anguish that you would feel if I was sick. If I die, how can I protect you to not feel these empty feelings that I get? You know, these, these twisted up feelings. And so here I am talking about the final four. I'm not talking by name, but these are the, these are them because that's what it, I realize that it all comes down to me for me is that I have this overbearing sense of needing to be in control of trying to manage life and death and pain and sickness and grief, you know? And I know that there's a hubris in that. I know that there's an arrogance in it. I don't intend it that way. Um, but I'm seeking surrender. One more from Rumi as we begin to wrap up. Um, it's a, it's a, a poem called childhood friends, I believe. And somebody's asking Jacob, um, you know, how was it, you know, when your brothers turned on you and these kinds of things. And, and, and this piece says, how was it? How, How about down in the well and in prison? How was it then, Jacob? And the response is, it was like the moon when it's getting smaller, yet knowing the fullness to come. Like a seed pearl ground in the mortar for medicine that knows it will now be the light of the human eye. Like a wheat grain that breaks open in the ground, then grows, then gets harvested, then crushed in the mill for flour, then baked, then crushed again between teeth to become a person's deepest understanding. Lost in love, like songs the planters sing the night after they sow the seed. I mean, I I believe that. I believe in the mystery that death leads to life. I believe in resurrection. Life, I do. Practice resurrection, Wendell Berry says. You know, invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Surrender to the flow. Um, lose your life to gain your life. You know, as Jesus says. Believe all those things. Help me in my unbelief. I, 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 I long to, to grasp hold I guess, as an oxymoron here, to grasp hold of surrender. 
I long to 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 allow my Titan fists to release. To trust and to know not to avoid pain and grief, it it will occur. It is occurring. But to breathe in and out the goodness and the beauty that is found in all of that. Like a wheat grain that breaks open in the ground, then grows, then gets harvested, then crushed in the mill for flour, then baked, then crushed again between teeth to become a person's deepest understanding. It's kind of wild to jump from Rumi to Chris Stapleton, but but Chris Stapleton starting over has the the mantra for us for this season as we begin to uh, you know tennis has started for Sid. High school is starting for Isaac. Sam is about to embark on his sophomore year. We're getting through all of these types of things. And the, the, the line is, nobody wins afraid of losing. And that applies to tennis. It applies to, you know, your perception of going to school. It applies to life. Loss is a real thing. And athletes tell you that losses while not what you ever want, teach you. You learn from that. And so nobody wins afraid of losing. I don't want to be afraid of losing anymore. I'm in the days between two. I'm in the days between birth and death, and I don't just mean that physically. I'm in the days between of, of, of finding this healing and this surrender that I'm looking for. What I got heavy towards the end there, eh? I highly recommend the Essential Rumi. Highly. This is a Church of Six production brought to you by the Bucket of Life, which can be used to remind you of ripples or to empty out your washing machine by the foundation tower of stone the wall of belief by the token of hope by the magic rock times two and by the rope of resurrection nothing divine is desperate and may all your circumstances serve to awaken compassion and as you go teach peace Don't forget to believe, y'all, and be live. Peace, my friends.